Hi, and welcome to another episode of the By Your Side podcast, the property podcast to help you make smarter property buying decisions. My name is Michelle May, and I am the principal of Michelle May Buyers Agents here in Sydney. And today I want to talk about this mortgage cliff. Is it coming? Is it happening? What's going on? And I didn't want to have just my opinion spouting out at you. I wanted to talk to an expert in the industry. So I'm very lucky to have James O'Brien with me here today. James is a lending specialist, a broker at Shaw Financial. So James, thank you so much for coming back. Oh, mate, thank you for having me. And your introduction is always way too flattering than I deserve, but that, that, thank you. It's lovely to be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you you deserve it because you have helped out our clients time and time again, getting them better deals and, you know, making the process so much smoother uh, for them than it has been previously. So um, I'm always so eager to pick your brain because you're obviously a slightly different side of the property journey for people. And obviously the market's always changing. There's always news reports mm. coming out and sometimes it's a bit hard to see the wood through mm. the trees. And for me, I've got, you know, the boots on the ground and, and inspections, talking to agents, talking to buyers mm. all the time, but you're looking at it from a, from a different mm. angle. So I'm very keen to talk to you about this mortgage cliff that people have been talking yeah. about, writing about, reporting sure. on the news. Your perspective, what are you seeing? Is this mortgage cliff a real thing or is it something that's been made bigger than it really is by the it's media? It's a bit of both. So it definitely is a real thing. We're right in the peak of it right now. The mortgage cliff being mm -hmm. where people have borrowed at really low rates or refinanced into really low rates. And they've had these lovely yeah. low fixed rates loans for one, two, three, four years. The majority of the, those loans are coming to their expiry right now. So August and September of this year yeah. is where the bulk of those loans are actually coming off their nice low fixed rates and reverting to much higher variable rates. So that is true. That's, that's, that is occurring. The impact of that, I think, has probably been a bit oversold by the media, which is typical. That's what we yeah. expect from the media. If it if it bleeds, it leads. I think is the uh, is the cynical <laughs> uh, leads leads yeah. the news, leads mm. the uh, the headlines. If it's a you know bad story, sell negative yeah. news sells, and so they focus on that. I do think it is a bit of a beat up though, and why I say that is the vast majority of people that have enjoyed these nice low fixed rates for you know whatever the term was two or three years the majority of those were used to paying higher variable rates before they refinanced into these lower fixed rates so they were paying higher rates on their yeah, loans right. and they just fixed at these nice low rates for a period of time during that period of time they managed to save huge buffers uh, so the the mm -hmm. uh, reports show you know stats show that the majority of people built up huge cash buffers in their offsets or in their redraws or just in their savings accounts during the COVID time when they couldn't spend any money and they had these wonderful yeah. low fixed rates. So that's the majority, I think. However, there is a, a, a large, you know, community or a big section of the population that bought or got their first, you know, their first lending during these low rate environments where they could borrow more than they'd be able to borrow right now, for instance. People that borrowed mm. at their maximum and bought for the highest price they could and didn't have any cash buffer left over, right mm. now, if they come off their fixed rates and they have an increased income and they don't have any cash buffer, they're the people that'll be, that, that will struggle. They're the ones that'll be struggling. Yeah. 
I mean, we're not talking just a few dollars. It's quite a significant jump from, you know, the rates that were around in 2021 versus what they are today. And you've got the increased cost of living overall, you know. You you go to Woolies and it's like a hundred bucks gets you two chicken breasts and a half a yeah. bag of lettuce now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm laughing, but my heart is yeah, bleeding. You know, shocking. like you know, we're fortunate we've got mm. jobs and security and stuff, but not everyone is that lucky. So it all adds up. And every time I open an email, it's like, oh hi, just to let you know that my my fees and services have gone yeah. up. So everyone's increasing their fees and, yeah. and, and services all all yep. the way down the yeah. road, you know? So from the people that you uh, work with or see with and hear about in your industry, is it is it a small, are we, uh, is it the same kind of percentage that are forced to sell time and time again? Or is it, is it, a, is it, is it a fair jump of people who are going, okay, I have need, I need to offload my property. Is it, is it a percentage? Yeah. Good question. Jump? To be honest, like for my client group, I haven't seen, I'm really grateful, knock on wood, it remains like this. I haven't yeah. seen a big yeah. uptick in the number of people that, that would sell in, in a completely different rate environment. I've had mm. a couple of clients over the last, I would say 10 months say, look, James, you know, there is a bit of pressure on me here. Uh, I'm going to sell that investment property I have. They haven't been forced mm-hmm. into a situation where they're required to downsize with their owner-occupied property. But I have a, yeah. f- a couple of clients, maybe two or three, say, look, I, I, you know, I'm considering getting rid of that, that investment property I've got. What are your thoughts? And my opinion would kind of vary from one to the next based on what their position looks like. I'm really grateful that I haven't seen anyone be, you know, with their back against the wall, needing to sell their owner-occupied mm. property to pay off the debt because they can't handle it. I've got colleagues and friends that work in this industry that have seen that, and that's 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 tough. That's a tough position mm. to be in. Mm. Um, but I think overall, look, ev- every client, you know, wants to get a better rate. So every single client that's on a variable rate that has gone sky high, you know, most of them are reaching out and saying, hey, can I have a rate? You know, are you able to help me get a better rate? And those of those of my clients that aren't calling me, I'm calling them. I'm reaching out to them and, you yeah. know, seeing if asking if they want me to to negotiate a better rate for them. Surprisingly, not one of them has said no. They've all said, Yeah, go on. <laughs> if you can get me a better rate, I would definitely like that. Thank Please you very do. much. Yeah. yeah. And so do you think from the investors, is it mostly because that's very much what I'm yeah. seeing. Obviously, I I talk to agents every day and they do tell mm. me a lot. And from the ones that are the, the, this, the properties that are on the market, it tends to the vast majority is that are forced to sell are investment yep. properties. Okay. Do they tend to be from sort of more the mum and dad investments? It'll be their, their first and only investment property. <laughs> Yeah, the ones that, that I've had are like that. Maybe one of the one of the you yeah. know two or three that I've had has had more than one investment property. But it is there's yeah. a couple that had you know they've got. I actually remember the, the the cases for these individuals when they bought the additional property, the the new property. Originally, they were living in the their first property, and they upsized into a bigger and better property and held on to the their original yeah, property right. and turned it into an investment. And so they always had that kind of flexibility yeah, gotcha. there. Uh, they always they they thought yeah. look. You know, I could sell this property, but why not hold on to it and just make it an investment property? Yeah. And now things have become more expensive. Yeah. They've gone, ah, you know what? I may as well sell it. So mm. from my experience, the majority are, are kind of your mom and pop investors that are that just want to yeah. just have that one additional property to sell. What I am seeing though, so whilst yeah. they're my kind of personal experiences, I'd be interested to see if you've observed this yourself personally. 
But what the kind of the stats are showing is that the listings for this spring season are up 10 to 15%, not year on year, because last year is an awful year to compare to. There was record low Mm. listings. But this Mm. spring season, listings are up 10, 15% to the five-year average. So it indicates a real sharp uptick in listings. And what I'd put that down to Mm. is one, people being under pressure and having that second property to sell to make things easy for themselves. But also the kind of pent-up demand of people that were looking to sell because the market hasn't, the market's kind of, you know, dropped massively last year and it underperformed for a period. Since yeah. January of this year, property prices in Sydney have increased 8.8%. So I think a lot of those people that kind yeah. of, you know, they, they were thinking about selling, they wanted to sell, but they weren't going to do it in a bad market. So they sat on their hands and didn't list that property. I think a lot of those people have now come out of the woodwork and they've gone, it's time for me to make that transaction, whether it's sell to yeah. buy or whether it's sell just because I want to get, I wanted, I always wanted to get rid of this property, but the market was yeah. not good. Now the market is good, so I'm prepared to sell it. I don't necessarily need to. They're not put into a situation where financially they're required to, but the market's just better. And then, of course, there are mm. those people that are required to sell yeah. because, you know, financially they're required to. Naturally, the market's always seasonal, cyclical yeah. anyway, right? So we're now, you know, September traditional spring market usually you you always get an upswing in listings and like just sitting here i I'm, I, I see my inbox just mm. filling up with new listings and that hasn't happened for a long time yeah is that is that relieving um, to see we've been really struck well yes it, for yeah. my clients definitely because we've been really struggling but the other thing we struggle with with our for our apartment buyers is that it is a much larger proportion of those listings are investor mm. owned but they're not vacant positions oh. so they still have in some cases you know uh, tenancies in place until next yeah, right. year which means you know we we predominantly work with owner occupiers we do work work with some mm. investors and that's great then you can just take on, on the, yeah, the current tenants but for our owner occupiers not it's not an option to wait to yeah. move in until you know june yeah. of next year like but that also to me sounds like then well if you're an investor and you just signed a new lease with tenants in June, you're under yep. financial pressure to yeah. sell now because why would you sell yeah. with a tenancy in place? Because mm. typically those types of properties do not sell for from from maximum yep. results because you know you're cutting out a huge part of the buyer yep. pool. You know because you're really ge- genuinely only going to appeal to other mm. investors out there. You can't style. Um, you can't maybe, style a property either. You can't yeah. style it. You're completely at the behest yeah. of your tenants. And I've seen some investment properties that are amazing, you know, but others that where the, the tenants are clearly, let's say, annoyed. Yeah. And they've made no and, effort to kind you know, of tidy like, up or, or present the place well. Yeah. No. And I mean, you know, you can't really blame sure. them either. If the shoe was on the other foot, how pleased would you be to have strangers trapped I, I remember your home twice 20 years ago, like when I was, when I was, you know, early 20s, I had exactly that. I was living in Perth at the time. Property we were renting was getting sold. And, yeah. uh, and to be fair, we were nicer. We were worried that, that, that we'd, get, we'd get booted out if we didn't look after the place well. So we always presented it nicely on the weekend for the people that were coming through. But it was definitely irritating. Yeah. It, was, it was a real inconvenience yeah. having to kind of, you know, yeah. have people traipse through a yeah. property that we didn't even own. 
every week. Well, so I can yeah. I can understand why why people would be frustrated at that. Yeah. But it's but I feel for the owner who's trying to sell the property because if mm. it's not being presented in the best light, that's going to you know impact them. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I can better your oh. story actually. When I first moved yeah. to Australia, we moved to Brisbane and we were looking for mm. a home. There was a house for sale in Baden. I don't know if you know yeah. Brisbane at all, but a beautiful mm. suburb and it was a beautiful quintessential, you know, little weatherboard house and it was tenanted and so it was really it was three bedrooms so it was everybody who the typical you know young couples with babies Mm. and pregnant you know they were traipsing through the house but it was tenanted and i kid you not it was saturday morning and the guy the tenant was sitting on the lounge no pants no shirt smoking (laughs) watching rage at full volume and these people were just literally walking in and out some rooms were so full of junk that they couldn't even you had to oh, sort God. of wedge your head around yeah. the door you couldn't even get into the room um <laughs> he was annoyed <laughs> like <laughs> he sounds it oh that that does, um, yeah but being the property flipper yeah. that i am i could see the yeah. potential so oh, that's great it, but there was very little competition yeah. for that <laughs> surprise property, surprise you know? um, does he come with the house <laughs> we made sure we got yeah. vacant possession yeah, right that's that's nice. the key yeah. here get vacant possession that, that, that brings um, back memories though lying on the couch but, in my underwear smoking watching rage that's great <laughs> that's 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 uh, that's a well spent uh, you know bunch of years in my youth. <laughs> Aren't you glad we had our youth before Seriously. social media? There's no evidence yeah, yeah, whatsoever. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I mean, it is it is definitely what I'm seeing on the ground, and I and I'm talking to agents mm. as well that you know the the the, the investors the, the the first thing that's going to go are the surplus to requirements yeah. in a way. You know, the, the last thing that's going to go is your primary place yeah. of residence, and like you said, you know, if there's very little of a mortgage on that investment mm. anyway because they've mm. moved on then yeah, a little pressure I, I agree um, with you though the um i read this mm. great report by an economist at deloitte going back to i think it was around the time of the royal commission when there was a decent drop in yeah. property values at that time or maybe it was the beginning of covid same thing there was a lot of talk about the property market tanking mm. same like with this you know this mortgage cliff mm. that they're talking about there's all this kind of rhetoric about oh, the property market's going to collapse and, and mm. every time it, you know, it hasn't happened. And why is that? It's because of the demand. And even at the moment mm. with this record number of listings we're seeing or this huge upswing in the, the percentage of listings compared to the five-year average, there's just so much demand mm. out there. Yeah, there's uh, equal yeah. to the number of people that have not wanted to sell because the market hasn't been ideal. Mm. Well, there's, there's bucket loads and bucket loads of people that have wanted to buy over the last 18 months, haven't been able to because there hasn't been the stock. Yeah. So that demand has just continued to grow and grow and grow. So even though there's heaps more listings coming out, everything's getting snapped up. You know, the the mortgage clearance yeah. rate, auction clearance rates are still, you know, mid-70s. It's huge. That indicates a hot market, yeah. anything above 70%. But at that time yeah. when they, the last time, not the most recent one, the last time there was talk about the market collapsing, all these economists were saying doom and gloom, except for this one guy from Deloitte who did this great report who just went, no, nah, their property like the market's going to be fine. And the reason for that is the Australian dream is to own property. Not one person that can avoid selling their property is going to sell their property. They're all going to hold, they're all going to do whatever they can to hold on to their home. They'll tighten the belt wherever they need to. They'll sell a cat or a dog. They'll get rid of their vehicle. They'll, they'll, you know, stop Uber Eats. They'll, they'll cut alcohol out of their diet if they need to. Take their kids out of Totally. They'll put them into a local public Mm. school before they sell the place they live in. Yeah. Um, and so I, I love yeah. that about, you know, about our culture. And I, I always think of that whenever there's talk 
of the property market taking a bit of a dip. And it's it's always a, a conversation that I have mm. <laughs> with potential clients. You know, they go, oh, I want to pick up a bargain. And I said, well, the only bargains you're going to get are going to be on main yeah. roads, you know, or in places that have low desirability, which are not the kind of properties you should be yeah. buying in the first yeah. place. Because currently I am waiting as we speak to hopefully get offer and acceptance on a property that first opened on Saturday. Today is Thursday and it's going gangbusters. It's a two bedroom apartment in Ashfield. And I can't tell you the amount of growth that I've seen in Ashfield in the last couple of years. Huge. Yeah. But Ashfield is the next yeah, marriage. Yeah, or, yeah know, so I, should, I shouldn't, I shouldn't you know, say bizarre. Um, I should say amazing. It is huge growth. And you're absolutely yeah. right. It's the next kind of logical and geographical step out for the inner west, yeah. right? Absolutely. But the number of buyers mm. that are queuing to get into every single yeah. listing there is, is, is mm. crazy. And then we are now in a position where, you know, we're telling clients, like, if it's a good property, we have to try and get it prior to auction because at auction, uh, things yeah. are for the good quality property, not across the board, but for the A class property, they're not, there's not enough of them, particularly houses, three yep. bedroom houses that have been renovated. There's a lot of demand. There's a lot Huge. of demand. So I think that you've now confirmed it for me that we're not going to get this influx of properties, so. uh, particularly because investors also tend to own apartments yep. versus houses in, in the inner yep. ring of Sydney. So if you're looking to buy a house, then just f- go full force ahead and you know focus on trying to find the right one. But don't, oh, don't, don't, don't wait. no, that's don't wait for this cliff to, to appear. Well, the cliff that they're talking about. Do you, they, when people refer to the cliff, just for for my clarity, are they talking about a cliff in terms of property values? Are they talking about a cliff in terms of what your repayments are going to look like? Well, yeah. I, I both. No, I, I think the cliff is more like. Th- there's going to be such an influx of properties I'd coming massively to the market big to that, differ. therefore, prices are That's where come I reckon down. there's a huge beat-up. And, and the reason for the beat-up is mm. I do think the majority of people are used to paying more, which is how they were able to build up these huge buffers during mm. their low-rate environment, which was, you know, fairly well reported on, on TV. And if, if anyone didn't see how that was reported on TV, the, the banks were able to disclose, obviously, they don't give away private information about clients, but they're able to disclose uh, what the average savings was per household. And savings, like, jumped mm. because of these low rates and also mm. people not spending as much because mm. everyone's locked down. So, they, look, they, they were used to paying more for their mortgages. So, when they come off these fixed rates and they go to paying higher rates, they just go back to something they've done before in the past. That's the majority of people. Mm. Uh, and then other people, they're mm. just going to tighten the belt. They'll tighten the belt and they'll hold on to the property mm. until rates come down, which you know, which is, is sounding like it's going to be sooner and sooner. It's a very dynamic market we're in. You know, Every couple of months, things change radically. But the most recent change is that economists are now forecasting rates to decrease sooner rather than later. So CBA most recently said in the first quarter of next year, they're expecting rates to come down uh, and drop by almost a full percent by the end of next year. Other Mm -hmm. economists have said potentially even by Christmas, rates are going to start coming down. But that's always the risky thing, James. In my experience now, I've been doing this since, you know, the crack of dawn, beginning of time. And if you put four economists in the room, you're going to have five different opinions. Even the big four (laughs) banks. Like I I actually have it because I I, I can't remember all lists off off the top of my head. I've got this on a screen in front of me. So CBA say that the cash rate will peak at 4.1 in June of 2023 uh, and then drop to 3.35% by August, September of next year. 
Westpac, peak of 4.1 in June, then dropped to 2.6% by December of 2025. NAB think there'll be one more increase of 25 basis points by November, so peaking at 4.35%, November of 2023, then dropping to 3.1% in February of 2025. ANZ peaking at 4.1% in June of this year and then dropping to 3.35% in May of 2025. So even with the big four banks, right. there's no consensus. You know, three no. of the banks agree no. that the mark, that the rate has already peaked. So one of them, so yeah. 25% of that, you know, of that group disagree and they say there's going to be another rate increase. But then every yeah. one of those four, like you said, four economists, that essentially is four economists. That's the the four chief economists of those yeah. big four banks. None of them mm. agree. Mm. And up until <laughs> up until recently, uh, all of them had said doom and gloom until you know the first rate decrease will be, you know, back half or end of next year. And it's only recently that things have backflipped. But if you go back to the yeah. middle of this year, all the banks were saying, you know, oh, good forecast, rates will decrease by later this year or early next year. And then inflation figures came mm. out, they'd spiked, RBA put up rates two months in a row. And mm. all those forecasts changed. And all those forecasts changed to doom and gloom. It'll be another 12 months till rates come down. Inflation figures for the past yeah. couple of months have shown that inflation's coming down faster than forecast. And I think the reason yeah. for that is people, we're now at that, you know, the peak of the mortgage cliff where everyone's coming off those fixed rates. People have less cash available. So people are spending less. And that's why we're quickly mm. seeing inflation come down, which is great. But now mm. all the economists have changed their forecast again. And it's gone from super doom and gloom to, well, you know what? The rates could come down sooner than we said. You know, we've changed our mind again. I know we changed our mind two months ago. And two months before that, we changed our mind. It's like weather forecasters. I think those are the only two professions in the world where you can consistently get it wrong and go, you know what? It wasn't as I thought it was going to be. So I'm just going to change what I said. Forget about it. One of the reasons why I wanted to really have you on the podcast was one of your newsletters that you sent out recently. And if you're not subscribed to James's newsletter, I highly recommend that you do. You mentioned that the buffers mm. from some of the big banks are coming down. Can you can you explain that to Absolutely. to us? What that may mean. What what what's actually yeah, happening sure. there? Yeah, sure. So there's two two different areas there. There's new borrowing, and then there's refinancing. Now there's half yeah. a dozen or so lenders. I mean, the lenders that I have available and, and our company, Shaw Financial, have available. There's about sixty different lenders that do residential home loans. Of those lenders, there's six, seven lenders that have reduced their assessment rate for refinancing. So what that means, an assessment rate is the interest rate that the bank uses to calculate how much debt you can afford. So how, how, how big a loan you can yeah. have. Now, the rule is APRA told the banks, take the interest rate on their home loan and add 3% to it. So we're essentially adding yeah. a buffer of 3%. So if rates go up by 3%, we still know that our customers can afford it. You're still okay. Um, when it comes yeah. to refinancing, the banks have gone, well, if we apply that that 3% and they can't even afford the size of the loan they already have, well, we're, we're, we'll give them a break. And the break that they're able to give, instead of applying a 3% buffer, they'll apply a 1% mm-hmm. buffer. So it just means mm. you've got a stronger borrowing capacity, a better chance or a greater Mm. chance of being able to refinance the existing amount of debt you've got to a lower interest rate at a different bank. Does that make sense? So that would then help with that 
perceived mortgage cliff not Absolutely. actually happening because the banks are actually going, listen, yeah. we realize this it's been a, it's yeah. been full on in the last yeah. couple of years. So by doing so, we're actually giving you a greater chance of of still having yeah. a mortgage as opposed to defaulting. Exactly. And, you know. Yeah, you won't need to sell your yeah. house. You can refinance because mm. when typically when someone comes off their fixed rate, they'll go to a very unappealing variable rate at their bank. Yeah. Now, if you're dealing with a broker, so I would um, for my clients as their fixed rate comes to an expiry, I'll go to the bank and I'll haggle the best possible variable rate that they can get at that lender. If there are better rates mm-hmm. elsewhere at different banks, we present that as an option. And if my client wants to refinance, we facilitate that. But yeah, yeah, if a client is stuck at their existing lender because they can't refinance to a lender that has a 3% buffer, there is now half a dozen or seven banks that use that lower buffer. So a- as you said, it just means people aren't forced into a position where they have to sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. And APRA, APRA actually has that as a rule for all lenders. They're allowed to make an exception for people that are kind of trapped at their existing lender. They're referred to as mortgage prisoners yeah. rather than right. becoming a mortgage prisoner a bank is allowed to apply a lower assessment rate to help them refinance. That's good news. So if if you find yourself in a position like that, I think definitely reach out to James. Get in touch. And they can help you sort out those Mm. issues with your bank. Thank Pleasure. you, James. Do you have a- There was, yeah. Oh, no. So in addition to that, for new borrowing, there's, there's two lenders, two non-bank lenders yeah. that have also a decreased buffer for new borrowing. Now, the, yeah, now the ah. rule is still with APRA is that you need to have a 3% buffer for new borrowing. However, these two yeah. non-bank lenders, they don't necessarily need to follow all of the guidance by APRA because they're not banks, they're just lenders. Yeah. And so they can apply a lower yeah. assessment rate for new borrowing. So there's a couple of banks out there, which is helpful mm. for people that are really dead keen to buy a place and just need a little bit stronger borrowing capacity. They can achieve that with these non-bank lenders. They typically have slightly higher rates, but if that helps a person yeah. get their foot in the door, no pun intended, yeah. then then that's kind of, that's where they come to the fore. And are they, how shall I put it, as safe as houses <laughs> as going with a traditional they are, lender? Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're fine. I mean, the okay. rates are just a bit bit higher, so they're a bit more expensive, but otherwise they yeah. are reputable brands. They're reputable lenders that have been around for decades. They okay. still have to adhere yeah. to the, the National Credit Code. They yeah. follow, you know, the vast majority of the guidance by APRA. So they very much, you know, they're yeah. very much in line with with the big banks. There's a few areas where they're allowed allowed to make exceptions. So they can deal with people that have right. bad credit scores or, or bad credit reports, whereas the big banks won't do that. Yeah. These guys will use yeah, lower right. assessment yeah. rates, which help people borrow a bit more, whereas the big banks won't do that. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Again, this is one of the reasons of many why you really need to talk to a broker as opposed to just walking into a branch of a bank because they're not going to tell you all these insider things that <laughs> James knows about. Thank you, James, for being Hi. with me again today. You're, you've always bring such a wealth of knowledge. My absolute pleasure. Um, as, as always, thanks for having me. It's just great to be on here. Thank you. Now, if you want to get in touch with James, James, what's the best way to get in touch uh, Give me a call. Uh, 0415-391-002. Or you can send me an email, James O'Brien, all one word, O'Brien's with an E at the end of O-B-R-I-E-N at surefinancial.com.au. 
S-H-O-R-E financial.com.au. Excellent. Thank you, James. If you have any questions for James or myself, send me an email at hello at valueside.com.au. I hope you found this episode helpful and until next time. Thanks so much. 